Rhonda Vinay Laporte, Executive Director at Serenity Farm Equine Sanctuary. Can you tell me about the sanctuary? We started the sanctuary in 2016. Um, almost immediately, we um, we opened it to volunteers, and we immediately started getting volunteers. Um, without their help, I don't know what we'd do. We started with 15 horses, and now we have 34 equine. And that includes donkeys, a mule, uh, three ponies, but the rest, 27 of them are horses. Um, we only take the horses that are um, described as having significant behavior problems uh, or have some severe medical condition, and usually it's kind of both. Um, we uh, wanted to do something different than the other rescues and give horses that otherwise wouldn't have a chance a chance. Um, Bill and I both are horse trainers, so we've been able to work with them and help them overcome um, their issues. Uh, when we first started, we also um, were pleased that many, many of our volunteers um, are individuals with disabilities. Um, that was my former career, so it was kind of a natural fit, and folks started referring individuals to us. Um, some of them just come. They could be as young as four or five, or as old as 50 or 60. Um, some also have court-ordered community service, um, and have a history of having um, drug abuse issues or other legal issues, but primarily it all began as mental health. and. Um, that's kind of what brings them here. Um, there's something truly amazing that happens when individuals with mental health issues who've never been around horses have the opportunity to meet them. Um, there's almost a joining of the souls that happens. Um, they typically um, gravitate to one particular horse and part of our volunteer program is people can pick a horse to be their partner. So once they help with the farm work, they spend time with that horse and you know really develop a relationship. Interestingly, um, we've noticed that individuals with mobility issues tend to gravitate to horses who have mobility issues, even though they have no idea that the horse does. Or individuals with trauma tend to gravitate to horses who have had trauma, who ironically sometimes um, act out in similar ways that the individual does. Um, it seems to create a healing on both sides, and it's something that has truly amazed us. What is it like seeing the relationship blossom between a horse and the, a person? It, sometimes it'll bring tears. Um, you know, when you see somebody meet a horse, and then particularly those that stick with it, and, you know, some come to us for three months, some for six months, some for years. Um, you see, as they spend time, both individuals, you, you can just observe them settle. Um, we have a lot of kids who have severe, severe ADHD, and they have to manage themselves in order to be able to spend time with the horse, um, particularly if the horse is a little hypersensitive, and since that's who they gravitate to, that kind of works out well to mediate um, that response on both ends. So uh, earlier you were telling me about like I live with a bipolar disorder and you said horses go, sometimes go through the same thing. As oh, humans. absolutely! Horses who have experienced significant trauma, um, the brain responds exactly the same way that the brain responds in with a human. Um, the research now is indicating it literally looks the same in, in pets, uh, pet and spec scans. Um, they um, tend to be those horses that at the drop of a hat if a leaf falls from the tree they're you know they're 
panicking. They're bucking and jumping and kicking and stomping. And Bill and I have certainly experienced our share of injuries um, supporting those horses. But supporting those horses is exactly the same as supporting an individual with a disability. And that's just managing yourself, you know, staying calm and helping them work through the escalation and then forgiving them for it when it's over. Um, because it is truly something that's happening to them. Um, we had one horse in particular that I, and I hope this isn't disrespectful to anybody with a bipolar diagnosis, because I certainly don't mean it to be, but if there was ever a horse that was bipolar, it was that horse. His name was Prince Charming when he came to us, but he wasn't all that charming a good portion of the time, so we just dropped it back to Prince. Um, he has since settled amazingly, but I remember the day that one of our high school groups came and the teacher was telling me that the young lady with was walking through the field had just come back to school and that she was diagnosed with bipolar and that she could be pretty reactive. She walked into the field and immediately walked to Prince and he immediately walked to her. Um, we see things like that all the time. What is it like working with uh, the volunteers? Um, it's, it's, it can be hard, <laughs> it can be challenging. Um, you know, um, some are not successful here over the long haul and we accept them for a three months period. Um, and sort of like a teacher that doesn't get their contract renewed, if we see that their disability is causing safety concerns, and that's only happened four times since we began. Um, and we typically have 20 to 30 volunteers at any one time, so it's a very small percentage that just the way they respond to the world creates safety concerns. Um, but most are, like I said, are able to manage themselves. It, it's hard when you work with an individual that just cannot. Um, we had a young man, for example, that was very, very loud, and um, he just terrified the horses and ended up nearly getting hurt multiple times. We were able to pull him back, tended to not um, follow instructions, you know, it kind of thought he already knew, sort of a narcissistic personality. This was not a good match for him. Um, had we allowed him to continue, he would have definitely gotten hurt. So making that call is very difficult for us because we want everyone to be successful. So in those cases, it, it's frustrating, maybe even distressing, but probably 95% of the time, it, it, it's pretty wonderful to be able to give someone that experience and, and let them learn to work through and then see them progress over time. We have um, one of our volunteers who has depression and significant anxiety, lots of trauma in her life, um, is learning to train horses. And Bill has been working with her and been she's been very successful. Um, each time she comes, I see her able to do something new that she wasn't able to do before. What is it like working with your husband? Well, he's kind of a pain, so <laughs> <laughs> most days we, we, it's we pretty do good. <laughs> and you know, this is a 24-7 a, a operation for us anyway. Um, one of the things I wanted to point out is that uh, while the relationships that develop between the volunteers and the horses is pretty spectacular, one of the things that we see is that they are able to translate that self-management um, across to human to human interactions. So um, not are they they're just not managing just with the horses, but we see a change in their behavior with socially and, and 
to other humans. So that's kind of cool. Uh, working with my wife, it's it's uh, I'm very honored to to work with her. Um, she's very knowledgeable, uh, particularly with uh, respect to um, special education and and uh, uh, individuals with disabilities. So we've kind of uh, migrated that into our mission statement and kind of became uh, a big piece of what we do. Yeah, I was going to ask you that. What is it like combining your uh, uh, teaching children with, you know, horse training? Um, it's the most natural thing in the world. Um, the horse training, we use, mostly use Clinton Anderson's The Method, and it's about listening to horses and speaking to horses the way they understand and how they learn. And um, I worked with horses before I worked with kids and I used to always feel like it wasn't that different than working with horses, that if I listened to how they learned, um, you know, supported them as opposed to ordering them, because you cannot order a 1,200 pound animal, you just can't. I mean, I, I always love it when we have new volunteers and they try to drag the horse, you know, and it's like, you know, you really think you're gonna be able to drag something that weighs, you know, five times as much as you do some of them 12 times as much as they do. Um, it was kind of the, I think that working with horses helped me work with individuals with disabilities a lot. And um, so it may sound strange, but it's kind of the same. It Merging it, it's kind of just how I learned to be, I guess. Do you see when kids, teens, and even adults come, do you see their confidence level rise? Oh my gosh, yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah, we, I, I mentioned to you that we've had some kids come and it, it takes them a year before they're brave enough to give a horse a treat. Um, and then the next thing you know, I've got them on a horse. We don't, um, it's not about getting on a horse and, and we don't, with any of our volunteers, you know, it's like if the opportunity arises, we have a horse out, it's in a good place. We certainly want them to be able to feel what that's like and to spend some time on horses. But it's never really been about that. Um, but. For some of them, you know, they just wanted to come see horses. Um, we had one little boy who came who had um, an amputated foot. Um, about half of his foot was gone. And trying to find a way, his prosthetic, every time he put his foot in a stirrup, his prosthetic would pop off. So that wasn't good. So we had to figure out a way for him to ride. Um, so once we did that, you know, his confidence just soared. Um, it was something that he was able to tell people that he was able to do that not everybody has ever done, you know. So he would go to school and, and now he had something he could talk about. Little girl with communication issues wouldn't. Uh, we had, at, at the very beginning, we had a young lady with selective mutism. She would not speak in school. Um, and that was just how her trauma manifested. Um, she came, we be began working with horses, we began riding. Um, within three or four months, she, well, maybe six months, was a little longer than that, she actually did a report out loud in front of her class about Serenity Farm Equine. And, and the horses. And the horses. And after that, um, her mother uh, bought a property, a small property, and they now own horses. And she has continued her horsemanship experience and the whole family. I think it's kind of centered the whole family. Where, where do you want to see the center in the next three to five years? Um, every day is just about surviving, hoping enough donations come in that we can feed the horses. Um, we kind of think on the short term. 
um, given that we never even planned to become a horse sanctuary or to have a volunteer program or do any of the things that we're doing, um, it's just about financial survival, you know, being able to feed and provide the horses the care that they need. So um, no real long term. <laughs> we'll just take it as it comes. How can people reach out and learn more? Um, we have a Facebook page where we do day-to-day -day, um, posts about what's going on at the farm. One of our most popular ones is a soap opera post, As the Herd Turns, um, where it's usually about one of our mares <laughs> causing trouble or flirting with the different horses. Um, but we also have a website, um, which anyone can just do a search on Serenity Farm Equine Sanctuary and the search engines will take you right there.